Uh, I bring you greetings from 48 Christian Fellowship of Churches all over Poland. They're in uh, 40 cities. Uh, there's now over 40 million in the country of Poland, and we are still, along with eight other evangelical streams, less than uh, 0.2% of the population. So there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work that is, that is going on. We have some faithful servants, not only as pastors, ministry leaders, uh, elders, uh, those who, who uh, work from day to day serving and living out the gospel in Poland. I'm, I'm proud to represent them and to bring you greetings from them and also to take this time to say thank you, Oakland uh, Drive Church of Christ for faithfully giving every month to support what God is doing in the nation of Poland. Um, you know, this last three years have kind of been a topsy-turvy three years. Uh, it's just been a crazy COVID. Are we st- we're still trying to make sense out of what's happened and, and what is happening uh, in that sense? But it, it really impacted the church here in the United States, but it also impacted the church in Poland as well. And then, uh, just about a year ago, when the Russian aggression uh, turned up its decimals to what it is today in entering into Ukraine, all of Ukraine, uh, with uh, just going after major cities, including the capital city, Kiev, it had already, Russia was already in in Ukraine since the latter part of 2014, Uh, so that was not a surprise surprised that they did that. They still have the same reasons. It's their country, they say, and uh, they, want it, they want it back. Ukraine is saying, no, it's not, and uh, they're going to defend uh, to the death as they have, uh, have proven to this point in time. Uh, Putin probably thought, he was thinking two to three weeks, this, is, this will be a finished product, um, and it, 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 that did not happen. Uh, what that resulted in was millions of Ukrainians needing to flee their city um, because husbands were telling their wives, go with the children to a safe country. Poland is the most accessible. There are other countries that the Ukrainian refugees have gone to, but literally uh, millions upon millions, many, most of whom are mothers with young children, uh, but not all. Um, if you were a husband of three or more children, you were exempt, and you could also leave the country. They still, um, but if you were 18 to 60 uh, and, and not under that, uh, if you didn't have three or more children, then you, you, you could not leave the country, cannot leave the country. Now, many husbands who have three or more children have remained. Many women have stepped up as those who will stay to help their their men um, fight this war, uh, young and old. Uh, it's been an incredible time for us to see and hear and be with those folks in Poland as we visited the churches just recently, returned from visiting 22 of our churches in 20 cities um, since the middle of January, just got back on Wednesday, so I might, I might uh, 
not it's time for the Sunday afternoon nap right now um, in Poland. Um, most um, and I bring you greetings from those churches. They've all met this morning. It's they're six hours ahead of us, but um, they um, they also have Ukrainian. Some a lot of churches have Saturday night service, a Sunday night service with Ukrainians because so, they want to gather in their own language. Uh, but many of them do come on Sunday mornings to Polish churches as well. There's so much that I could share in that regard. But in this time, this COVID, now Russian aggression, I didn't know that uh, the decibels could be turned up so great, but when that, when that did happen, it, that, uh, that, that happened for us, for our nation of Poland, the one that God put in our hearts. See, I'm a, if I had hair, it'd be red, and I'm Irish-Scottish. I have no Polish descent. But in 1996, when we went to Poland for the very first time, God captured our heart for the nation of Poland. That's all, that's all that I can explain, all that I can say. But right now, it's, it's all over the U.S. as well. It's all over the globe. But in our hearts, Poland and now Ukraine, many people have come close to losing hope. Hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. What's my tomorrow going to look like? I don't have a home. I don't have a home to go to. My city has been raised. Where is my hope? Well, I'm here today to exhort you, to encourage you, to lead you to know that we have a deep and enduring hope, a hope that will last. And one of those passages of Scripture, I'm going to try my first little click, and it actually worked. That's awesome. You read the, I've read through the book, uh, the Bible, since 1983, one, you know, read through it one time. Different translations, same translation, uh, different Bible so I can mark it and kind of read it, try to read it fresh. But in 2020, again, I read Psalm 130 seemingly for the first time. Some, something came, jumped off the page at me and has remained with me. And I want to share uh, from this passage of scripture today, Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8. So I'm going to read the word. He himself will free Israel from every kind of sin. The reading of the word, the word of the Lord. Our hope is deep and enduring. Our hope is solid and sure. Our hope for today and our hope for tomorrow is in the Lord. I'm counting on him. Yes, I'm counting on him. I will put my hope in the one who keeps his word. I can trust him to keep his promises. And it's not hoping for the best or let's hope, knock on wood. This is not wood. But, um, so I sought, so I, in, in looking at, at this hope, I sought to answer the question, how can I grow and how can I cultivate hope in the Lord? How can I make this hope Yes, a deep and enduring hope in my life. Well, we have hope. And if all you get today is this slide right here, then take this home with you. We have hope. We have, oh, I did two clicks there. We have hope in a person who has impeccable character. Now, you don't use that word very often, so I want you to say it out loud. Maybe turn to your neighbor and say, impeccable. Impeccable. We have hope in a person, that's, that's important, who has impeccable character. Armand 
did. It was in 1988 in Armenia, there was a massive earthquake where 25,000 people died in the blink of an eye, the snap of a finger. In a northwest Armenian village, an entire school building collapsed. One of its students was 13-year-old Arman. His dad Samuel was at work when the earthquake struck his village and collapsed the school. Samuel made his way to the school where he knew Arman had been with the shovel and a pick in hand. Samuel began digging amidst the rubble. He dug for four hours, eight hours. Others came with signs and crosses for their sons, but nobody helped Samuel dig. You see, Samuel had told his son, since he was a little boy, no matter what, I will always be there for you, Armand. Samuel continued to dig. 12 hours, 16 hours alone, 24 hours, 28 hours, 36 hours. In the 38th hour, he lifted a stone and he heard a voice. He shouted, Armand, yes, dad, it's me. I told the other kids you'd come if you were still alive, and you did. Armand and 13 other youth were saved from that rubble that day. Armand's hope was in a person. Our hope is in a person. A person who has impeccable character. One who is trustworthy and true. Solid, above reproach, blameless character. The one who keeps all of his promises. You know, the passage of Scripture we read, I asked myself the question, do I long for the Lord who is my hope? Do I long for the Lord more than night watchmen long for the dawn? These, these sentries, they were night watchmen, who were, they were charged to protect their city or protect their fellow soldiers from any approaching enemy. They longed for, for the dawn because they were fighting sleep as much as they were fighting the enemy. While they struggled to stay awake in the dark, they longed for the light of day to fulfill their duty as a soldier. I long for the Lord who is my hope. He is a person. Hmm. Isaiah 9-6 identifies our God, our hope. You know, we could look at Lots of different passages of Scripture today, all through Scripture, and maybe you're already thinking of some that are are on the tip of your tongue, and that's awesome, that's good, that's right. But one that uh, speaks to me very uh, directly in regards to God as our hope is Isaiah 9, 6. It really is a... uh, that messianic prophecy of Jesus coming to the earth as, a, um, as the one, you know, at Christmas time, we use Isaiah 9, 6 a lot, and you're very familiar with this. He is, first of all, our wonderful counselor. He's the one who guides us through difficult times. He, he helps us make wise choices which bring him glory. He's the one that can tell us what to do and we'll, we'll be able, to, that's, make, that's always making the right choice. And His counsel is in His Word. We have that uh, to help us make those right decisions. And the Word of God was inspired by the Spirit of God. And so when the Word of God speaks, the Spirit is speaking 
into our lives. He's also our almighty God. He provides strength when we are weak or weary. When we have no energy left, when we're exhausted. There's so many Polish pastors and and ministry leaders at at the beginning of the war. The first week, one of the pastors who shared with us said that, Uh, I really haven't slept much because people are coming to the border 24-7 to get out of Ukraine. The aggression is so um, heavy, and those who are coming to the border, the borders were so backed up. They were making runs. Uh, They would sleep on the way to the border, and then they would pick up, they'd fill up their car. They, They had enough for three more, four more. They would bring them back, a family or two families. They didn't know who they were picking up many times. They just knew they were coming to pick somebody up to bring them back to their city, um, and then they would return back to the border. After a week, they decided they needed to not drive through the night because they were exhausted. Um, we wanted to come. We had folks that would contact us and say, hey, we want to go to Poland to help, and we would say, that's, that's great, and that, how can we help? What our Polish pastors were telling us was that please send volunteers from the U.S. who speak Ukrainian. Um, not Well, there was one lady that spoke Ukrainian that contacted us that went later with us, but not at this time. We had folks contacting us who were in Warsaw saying, we're here, how can we help? Um, the, the response of not just Americans, uh, Polish people, Ukrainians, and many other nations was enormous. It was an expression of God's almighty almightiness, that our God holds the whole world in his hands. <laughs> That's how almighty our God is. Um, I'm, I, I like to use the word, uh, I like to use the phrase, in his grip. Um, I like to know, it's assuring to me that I am in God's grip. He's an almighty God that holds the whole world in his hand, so he's got a very tight hold on me. Um, There's a scene in the movie Titanic. If you haven't seen it, that's okay. Don't don't go watch it tonight or anything. Uh, But it's an old movie, and there's two uh, prime characters, Jack and Rose. At the very beginning of the movie, Rose, who's in this upper echelon society, doesn't like where she is. is doesn't want to be where she is, and she's on the Titanic, and she's living, uh, living the dream for a lot of ladies in that time, but she's at the front of the ship, if you remember the story, and she wants to take her life. She wants to jump off the ship. Do you remember this? I can't see you guys out there. Are you out there? Um, and she actually gets over the rail on the other side, and she's ready to jump off, and Jack comes to the rescue, and he talks to her and says, you don't want to do this. And they, have, they go back and forth, and uh, he convinces her not to do it. So she's about ready to come back over the, the rail, and she slips. And Jack reaches out his hand, and all that's holding her from falling is Jack's hand. J- Rose is in Jack's grip. And she looks up at him with eyes wide open, and Jack says, I'll never let you go. And he didn't. I think, well, I hope he doesn't let her go because he made a big promise there. He pulls her back and he saves Rose. I'm reminded of a God who has a tight grip on our lives. 
we're going through lots of circumstances, lots of things that are messy in our lives that, that come along. We didn't see them coming. We didn't know that it was going to happen, and it, it, but it did. But even in those circumstances, and so many Ukrainians have testified to this fact that God had a grip on their lives, even amidst loss, loss of home, loss of life, those that were dear to them, God still had a grip on their life. That speaks volumes to one who really, we've had everything we've needed in life in the United States, in Michigan. It's pretty nice here, guys. (laughs) It's really nice here. But we're in his grip, wherever we go. If we're here in Michigan, we're in his grip. If we go to Poland, we're in his grip. If we make a transport and help with the delivery of food and medical supplies and generators over this past winter into Ukraine, God has a grip on our life. He is the almighty God. He is our hope. He's also our eternal father. This is so important. He protects us from the evil schemes and fiery darts of the enemy. He brings security and stability to our lives and our relationships. Like Samuel, he will always be there for us. I have a a wonderful father. He is an earthly father. He is 89 years old. Mom and dad live in Rockville, Indiana. They're going to be 90 both this year. They're, they're going through some, some rough stages right now. We're trying to get the proper care for them. We had a, a Google meet last night at 9 o'clock. I, it's probably not a good hour that I should have spent before I went to bed. But, uh, but my dad was always there for me. If I had a ball, basketball game, a football game, whatever I was playing, school play, he was there. My mom was too. Maybe my dad, mom made my dad do that. I, um, <laughs> he was a loving, and still is, a loving, heavenly father. But there's no father like our father in heaven. He is always there. If you feel alone, you are never alone. Because your father, who is your eternal father, is with you. Like Samuel, he will always be there for us. He is our prince of peace. Man, he makes us calm in the middle of the storm. He makes us do things that we didn't know we were capable of doing amidst the mess that's around us and the challenges that are around us that we think, how is that possible? And Praise God for two ladies at the back who do so well every Sunday. I don't know if you do this every Sunday morning, but their answer was, we don't know what we're doing back here, but we know God does, and he, the Holy Spirit leads us every day. And I didn't ask them to, to tell, tell me that, but praise God for those ladies that are doing that back there because that's what we do in life. Not that we don't know what we're doing necessarily. We try to figure it out because they got, they got some things figured out uh, and they pushed the right buttons and it happened. And it happens, happens well and to the glory of God. What opportunities we have in the midst of a great storm, in the midst of a aggression by Russia, in Ukraine, in Poland for the church of Jesus Christ to shine. 
This gem is getting brighter. The light is getting brighter. The refugees who came into the country, the Polish government, God bless them, didn't know what to do. But the church did. And the church did do it. It was amazing to see, to witness, and to be a part of that. We tell people the month of March was probably the most emotional month of my life. We were hearing the atrocities. We're sitting in Brighton, Michigan. We're sitting in a home, and I went out and bought a Ukrainian flag and started flying it every day. We were praying for Ukraine. I wanted people to know that this is a Ukraine. We're praying for Ukraine in this home. Um, but we were hearing the stories from our Polish partners, from Ukrainians. But for six years, as you mentioned, from 2007 to 2012, we worked with Impact Europe in Poland, Ukraine, and Belarus. So we have lots of relationships in Ukraine. And just the, we found ourselves on the floor, weeping, crying out to God, pay attention to our prayer, O oh Lord, pay attention to our, in this ugly war, can you bring down Putin? Can you change this? And we still pray that prayer. And then in the midst of that weeping, sometimes wailing, our phone would ring. And a pastor of a church would be calling. Pastor I'd never talked to before in my life. They said, are you Polish Christian ministries? Are you helping Ukrainian refugees in Poland? Yes. And so can, so they would vet us. They would ask these questions. I needed to get, I never did it, but Sandy goes, you need to record like a half an hour. The same questions are being asked because I'd hang up the phone, the phone would ring again, another pastor or an individual or a nonprofit. You know, in 2021, Polish Christian Ministries had zero other nonprofits support us and partner with us. In 2022, 18 other nonprofits partnered with us and supported us in the work of reaching out to Ukrainian refugees in the nation of Poland. This was our mission to help assist Polish Christians in becoming healthy and reproducing congregations. Warsaw West now has three churches meeting at the same building. One on Saturday night, Ukrainian. One on Sunday morning, Ukrainian and Polish. And one on Sunday night, Ukrainian. The focus hasn't changed, but what God is doing is bringing out what he was already doing in the church and through the church. And that, in their response, was one of peace. Their response was one of, this is what we're called to do. This is what God's asked us to do. Do we really have to think about opening up our building to house four or five families on our third floor with their 15, including your children, 15 total? They now live up there and they've lived up there for almost, well, over a year now. They didn't think about it. They just did what God had already provided for them. He is our Prince of Peace. Our hope is not in our circumstances. Would you say that out loud? Our hope is not in our circumstances, but in a person who has impeccable character. He gives, the person is Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6, 19. Okay, maybe I'll need to catch up here. Yeah, hope. Hope is an anchor for our soul. Because our hope is in a person who has impeccable character. 
We were recently in Gdynia on the Baltic Sea. Actually, it was Sopot. It's up there on the Baltic Sea. We went out, walked out to the end of the dock, and there were five freighters out there, huge freighters. And this was in early February. Um, Sandy was taking pictures. Um, sometimes when Sandy and I are together in Poland, and the, people, the groups that's with me will say, where's Sandy? I said, don't know where she is, but I'm pretty sure she's taking a picture. Um, and she had taken that it was a, It's a beautiful picture. But on the horizon... We had been told it's supposed to snow today. Uh, the, sun, the sun was shining, right, at that point in time. We walked the length of that pier back uh, to, the, to, the, to the sand, sandy beach, and we turned around. All five ships were gone. Where did they go? They hadn't moved at all, but the, the storm had set in. It started snowing. We got a bunch of snow that day. But I'm sure they were all right there in the same place because they were anchored. They weren't going anywhere um, uh, because they were, they're right in front of us. They, hadn't, they couldn't have disappeared. But my first in, inclination was, wow, all five of them disappeared like, like that. That was, that was something uh, to behold. But our hope is an anchor for our soul. Hope anchors us. Hope keeps us where we need to be in close to our almighty Father, close to his heart, close to his word, close to his presence, close to his, the spirit of God which speaks into our lives, close to those around us, the body of Christ, who sometimes gets discouraged because we need to rub shoulders. We need each other to, to build and strengthen one another in the faith that we hold in his son, in God's son, Jesus Christ. Well, if hope is in a person then it's a good idea to get to know that person. So this morning I got three action points for us to help us accomplish that goal. Let's see if I can get three action points. One, two, and three, they're going to go really, really fast. Number one, spend more time focusing on the character of God. Wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. What's one that comes to your mind right now? Someone from your pew with a good voice just shouted out. Character of God. What are you thinking about? What's God putting on your heart? Holy. Holy. Merciful. Merciful. Thankful. Thankful. Just. Full of grace. Loving. Loving. Say it again. Shepherd. Shepherd. He is our good shepherd. And on and on. This is just the beginning. You could come up with a thousand of them. Focus on the character of God. I, Sandy and I, we've been married for 45 years, praise God. Uh, she, was a, she was a very young person when she got married. <laughs> so was I. Uh, but for 45 years, and one of the things that we try to hold each other accountable to is the first thing in the morning we don't share any news around the world because most of the news around the world isn't, isn't that good. We try to build each other up with, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Your, your glory fills the earth. Help me to see it today. Even if it's a short prayer like that. Okay, Sandy, t- tell me the, the, the news clips today that, are, that, that can be just. Dis- 
distressing. You know, we're always looking for, for uh, you know, what's happening in Ukraine. During that first, that month, I would not watch TV at the house. I would go to Planet Fitness for my one hour, 35 minutes on the, on the uh, elliptical and watch the news. Fox News, CNN News, so I could compare both of what they were trying to say. But it, that's all it was. I mean, it was all Ukraine that first month, uh, and, and even beyond that month. The war's still going on. Putin is still making the attacks that are ridiculous and just senseless. Um, and we're praying for a, a, a real quick end to this war. Spend more time focusing on the character of God. Number two, spend less time... I already went to three. Spend less time focusing on the rubble reports. What if Armand had a cell phone and was listening to the rubble reports of the earthquake? No, Armand focused on his dad. The one he had a a relationship with, the one that he believed in, and the one who he thought, if he were alive, he's, he's coming after me. You know, the book of Lamentations, Lamentations of Jeremiah can be very harsh if you read from beginning to end. But there are four or five verses smack dab in the middle in chapter 3 that read like this. I don't have it for the, for the PowerPoint. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, says Jeremiah. The wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. He's aware of his circumstances. He's aware of what's going on around him, and it's not good. He's the doom and gloom prophet. My soul continually remembers it, and it's bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. (laughs) We have a God who we need to focus more on because he brings us hope for today. And he is our hope for tomorrow. Well, I've already got number three up. And I know it's quite profound, isn't it? Pray. Pray. First Peter <clears throat> 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. When I cast all my fears on God, I don't feel alone anymore. Take a drink. <clears throat> Philippians. 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and, up, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We don't need to worry about anything, this Paul tells us here in this Philippian letter. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about the big things and remember to pray about the small things as well. You know, we had 95 volunteers come this past summer with us to Poland. They were serving all over the city of Warsaw and in other cities as well. 
And I was very excited about those coming from the U.S. to serve. We had three two-week sessions. We're about ready to enter the third session. It was the most volunteers coming during this session. And one of the things I was very excited about was the fact that they had brought 12 large suitcases full of medical supplies. And the very first day, we were going to meet a couple of guys who had made the, the two-day trip from their city in Ukraine. We were going to be able to give those medical supplies to them, and they were going to turn around and go back. They had more that had been collected, but we, had, we were bringing 12 large suitcases. Well, there were 11 in our group. And my reasoning, so, and we were at a hotel, and we were going to be on a tram for 55 minutes. And we had other stuff. And um, I, th- I thought, we, sh- we should probably only bring 11. But the group said, let's bring 12. We'll figure it out. Okay. So I got my big suitcase. I said, I can't, I can't take two. I have a backpack as well, fully loaded, because this was a transition between session two and session three. I'm giving too much details, and, my, and I know that I need to speed this thing up, or you will just fall asleep. Um, so we get on the, this tram, 55 minutes. What do you do with a large suitcase? You don't put it on your lap. You put it in that place where you would have taken your, your backpack off and put it there. But I put the big suitcase right there, took my backpack off, which was fully loaded. It was heavy, and I put it behind my seat. 55 minutes engagement. These guys had never been on this trip, never been to Warsaw before, asking a thousand questions, what's coming up, what's going on, what, you know, and I was excited, letting them know about different things. We had devotions, we prayed, 55 minutes on the tram, take advantage of every moment, and uh, <clears throat> I look up, and there's the Bemovo stop. That's, we need to get off right here. Grab your suitcase, Some, somebody had two, and let's get off. So we got off, I grabbed my big suitcase, got to the church. 20 minutes later, I was looking for my backpack. I had left it on the tram. Now, I had a Detroit Tiger jersey in there. That was pretty cool. Didn't want to lose that. Um, But I had a lot of Zwati. That's Polish currency. Because folks are coming in, we were about ready to embark on on a new session. Um, People wanted to exchange their U.S. dollars for their Polish currency. That was going on. I had my international driver's license. My passport was in this backpack. I lost my backpack. Well, I spent that day looking for it by myself. Everybody else was engaged. Didn't find it. That night, Sandy and our daughter was in country. We wanted to go out to supper. And I said, I'm I'm not going, I can't eat. I'm going to be right here praying. They came back, and my daughter, who um, loves the Lord and is serving him faithfully uh, through her counseling center in Southern California, um, came over to me and said, Dad, the Lord gave me a, can I pray for you? I said, Keisha, anytime you want to pray for me, you can, and this would be a really good time. Can you pray for me? Um, You lost your backpack. I said, the Lord just reminded me that about four years ago, I lost my uh, laptop. She was at a conference. She had a booth, and she left it at the booth during the main session. Her laptop was stolen. And a year and a half later, it was found, returned to her, because she prayed for a year and a half. I'm going, okay. Um, 
I, he said, and then she said, the Lord simply told me in a day and a half, you're going to get your backpack back. I said, a day and a half. And it's been 12 hours. It's like, that's a long time <laughs> still. I won't, the next day was a holiday. The U.S. Embassy was closed for six days. <laughs> they couldn't even help us there. I couldn't, get, couldn't replace it anyway. But I will, I'll tell you that. So we prayed, and I cried, and she cried. And it was in the 36th hour that I got a Facebook message from Cuba that said, did you lose a backpack? The next four hours, we went back and forth. This was in the middle. This is midnight, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. My backpack was returned to me that next morning. Now, to me, that was a big request. <laughs> but God kind of put that in perspective. Here I am in the middle of millions of Ukrainian refugees who lost most everything. I lost a backpack. That can all be replaced, even passports. They'd lost most everything. Some of them husbands, children, fathers. And they were here in Poland just hanging on by a thread. We need to pray. We need to pray about the big things and the small things because God hears our prayers. We need to tell them thank you. Thank you for all he's done. And if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Would you pray for Polish pastors and leaders? They represent 48 churches all over the nation of Poland. Um, We have a five-by-five card. If you were in Sunday school, you have this. Uh, given to you already there on the front of the of that would you pray for them in this especially during this time um, as they make decisions to move forward to to continue to live out the gospel in their city Um, most of them have regular transports now they have new friends that came to their church building that they now know a a family who lives in ukraine that they want to help that family city in ukraine They didn't have that relationship a year ago, but now they do. And so they're putting together transports to go into Ukraine to help that family or families, husbands or relatives or those who chose to stay in Ukraine. Most and more chose to stay in Ukraine. Pray pray for our Polish pastors and leaders. A Struda camp swelled from 120 beds to housing 191 Ukrainian refugees They still have 51 that are there, uh, and we're on a monthly basis uh, supporting. This is a picture of their staff. Sandy and I are in this picture. We just came, we were with them about three, four weeks ago uh, in Estruda. Um, And they're going to try to have Estruda camps this summer for Polish and Ukrainian kids and youth, uh, but provide for the Ukrainian refugees if they are still in that need um, to uh, be housed and and cared for. So pray for Estruda camp and its leaders, and um, pray for Ukrainian refugee assimilation in their city, in their church. It's been such a wonderful for us to see and to hear how the church has opened up roles of leadership. Sunday school teachers, those that teach in Ukrainian to Ukrainian children, kind of makes sense, doesn't it? 
Um, they are, they're preaching. Some of them are preaching because they are preachers. Uh, some of them um, are, uh, are being looked at as being elders because they were elders in their church in Ukraine, but they have a Ukrainian congregate and, and part of the flock in their church now. These folks right here, we were with them uh, just a, about a week ago, a little over a week ago in Lublin. They, their time in a, in a remote area near Lublin, Poland, were being asked, this, their time was up. Um, they couldn't live in this place anymore. Uh, but in like in three days, they found an apartment that could house 15 of them. Not all 15 are in this. But we visited this little place. They, they hadn't moved in yet. And uh, there's like four bedrooms. And we thought, where are 15 people going to sleep? But um, they've, they figured it out. And they're eating pizza in their kitchen and filled with joy. Um, pray for Ukrainian refugee assimilation. Some of them, they need to assimilate because... They're the church. They're part of the church now, here. Most of them want to go back home. But it's going to be a long time before they're going to be able to do that. So they don't have a home to go back to, many of them. You've heard, you've heard in the news. You've seen in the news some cities are just raised. They don't exist anymore. Um, so it's going to be a while. Uh, and, and they're going to be key people to help. So pray for Ukrainian refugee uh, assimilation. And I'm going to... I think I, yeah, this is how I'm going to close. We're going to pray here in a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand with me to do that. But victories in the past create hope for the future. Um, We do not dwell in the past, but we do look to the past to allow those past victories to create hope for the future. As Sandy and I um, look back over this last year, we've, seen so many victories, um, lives surrendered to Christ, sacrifice upon sacrifice, including U.S. churches and individuals who have been an expression of God's generosity. It's been amazing, amazing. But it's allowed us to, to connect over the last year with 27 of our Polish churches directly who are doing a massive work in their city and with uh, those who've come to their church and now find a home with them every Sunday and throughout the week. They are family. It's amazing. But even though we don't dwell in the past, we do look to the past to allow those past victories to create hope for the future, a hope that is deep and enduring, a hope that is in a person, the Lord Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. And as the Scripture says... It's a hope that is in a person who has impeccable character. And we can echo what the psalmist said so many, a a few centuries ago, I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on the Lord. Would you stand with me? Father in heaven, we ask for the stretching out of your hand to restore and heal the Ukrainian land. We ask for you to end this war, this ugly war in Ukraine, for Putin to be brought down, for there to be a retreat, go back home, and for our Ukrainian brothers and sisters in the nation of Poland to be able to be restored. 
Thank you, Father, for all the Polish pastors and churches that are serving so well. They're exhausted, but you are their strength. When they are weary, you give them strength, and they are mounting up like wings on an eagle. And they're soaring, Father. They're giving you glory. Glory unto you, the one who deserves all glory, honor, and praise. And Father, for these Ukrainians who are now in Poland, help them to continue to assimilate. Help them to, in the midst of this storm, to, to, realize, to hold tightly to you because you are holding tightly to them and are helping them every moment, every day. Thank you for the so many testimonies that we have heard Ukrainians who, who love you and are depending on you and don't, don't know how they would even be here today if it wasn't for you. And that is so true, not just for them, Lord, but for us as well. Thank you for Oakland Drive Church of Christ, for every gift that's given, for every dollar that's sent. We pray that it would bring about your purposes. And I, I thank you for the time of, of worship and gathering today, Lord. Uh, be with us as we share in a meal together and, uh, and close this service today. We, we thank you for the, the love, the life that we have in your son Jesus and the love that we can express through our lives on your behalf and to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.